every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the county clerk for Boone County, Missouri. And with me is my co-host. Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County, Missouri. And we're really excited to talk to Ricky Hatch today. He's gonna to talk about his experience as an elections official in Utah and his work with the National Association of Counties. So thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure, I'm a big fan. I've listened to every one of your podcasts and they're awesome. Well, we are only as good as our guests, so we're very happy to have you here. So we will uh, start with our first question, which is always, how did you end up working in elections? Interesting question. I'm sure, as everyone else has said, you know, I, I uh, came out this little circuitous route as well. In high school, like probably every high school boy, I really wanted to be an accountant because everyone wants to be an accountant, I'm sure. I had a good mentor in church, uh, in my church, and uh, he was an accountant. So I thought, oh, I'll do that. Anyway, so that's that's what I ended up majoring in. I got my bachelor's and master's in accounting. Uh, and so I love finances and uh, and numbers. I worked as a CPA in Los Angeles, uh, overseas in Poland, in Munich, Germany, and then uh, in Boston. But I was always interested in government. In fact, I was in Munich during the 2000 elections. I was able to vote with the overseas ballot and loved that process and loved talking to Germans about it and uh, and all of the drama. I actually, frankly, loved being out of the country during all that drama. But I was just really interested in elections. After living in Boston, I came back to Utah, and I just felt like I needed to be more involved in government. Not from a job perspective, just I just needed to do something I needed to serve. And so I saw, I was driving by our city hall, in a small town, probably 5,000 people, and they said, planning commission position open, see mayor for details. So I uh, went into the mayor and I said, I wanna serve on the planning commission. By the way, what does a planning commission do? <laughs> and uh, we had a good talk and he put me on the planning commission and that was a great experience, super wonderful learning about that. But I still felt it wasn't enough. And so I decided to go to our neighborhood caucus meetings one year and uh, there was five of us four old ladies and me. And uh, the old ladies had been doing it for years and they were fantastic. And they nominated me to be the precinct chair uh, for the party. And I said, okay, what's a precinct chair? How does that work? And I just got, I started getting more involved in the party. And I realized I had a really bad opinion of politicians. I figured anyone who actively participated in a political party was a ladder climber. They were uh, greedy. They wanted fame, and I just didn't see that. Uh, of course, you have your exceptions, but I didn't see that. I saw good people who just really wanted to make a difference. And so I got more involved in the party uh, just at the local level. And uh, after a few years, you know, I'd served in a few leadership positions. Uh, someone said, hey, you should run for clerk auditor for the county. And I said, well, what does a clerk auditor do? And they said, they run elections and they do the finances. And I said, you can get paid to do that. 
totally, I'm totally in. Talked with my wife about it and decided, well, I'll I'll give it a try. So I ran for office and got elected. And uh, that was in uh, 2010. That's how I got involved. And I absolutely love it. Every day is a new challenge. And uh, it's just really interesting. In Utah, are all the election officials, does every county have a clerk auditor like you? Or is it a mix? Every county has a clerk auditor. In most counties, that those two offices are combined, but in some of the counties, they're actually separated. And in a couple of small counties, you maybe have a clerk reporter or a couple of other unique combinations. But most of us are clerks and auditors combined. I know that you're very involved now at the federal level, which is not an extremely common thing. I mean, there, you know, there's thousands of local election authorities, and not many of them work trying to get the federal legislation passed and changed and informed. How did you make your path to getting more involved in NACO and working on federal level information? Did you start at the state or did you just kind of say, you know, federal stuff is what I'm most interested in. That's what I'm going to go with. Both at the state and federal level, it kind of went on parallel tracks and it was totally unintentional and not planned whatsoever. My involvement with NACO and federal stuff actually started with my involvement in IGO, International Association of Government Officials, which Eric right now holds a key position in. I went to a conference, I think it was 2012, and sat down with five or six other elected officials from across the country. And the one guy that really stood out to me in that group who, he was so helpful. And I thought, here he is, this bigwig in this association. And he gave me his card. He said, you call me anytime you want. And that was Neil Kelly from Orange County, California. And he was so personal and so helpful. I was just blown away. And I thought, I need more of this. This is great. And that started really a thirst to learn from others across the country and to network. Uh, And that thirst has kind of turned into, I still love learning from others, but that thirst and desire is now to connect others and to have others learn from each other especially because there are so many small jurisdictions for elections throughout the country. And I just want to say you're not alone. And these organizations are such great ways to put them together. And we all have our state organizations, and those are so helpful. But on a federal level, being able to interact with folks from other states and and even other countries in IGO, it's so refreshing and invigorating and and enlightening. It really is nice. So that's kind of, I just just have continued my involvement in IGO and uh, also joined up with NACO. I had uh, some leadership positions in my state uh, association that got me a little more involved in NACO. And I found out that they had an election subcommittee and was really excited because I saw lots of potential for collaboration there. And uh, eventually they made me the chair of that. And it's a really small group, but very active, very influential, great people from across the country. And they want to grow. They want more people. We want more people to join and it's not a competition between NACO and IGO and Election Center, not at all. They're all it's all collaborative. My work with the association and, and contacts makes me so much more influential and effective at my day job uh, here in Weber County, especially at the state level, when I work with legislators on local legislation. And of course, it helps with the federal level as well. Just having being able to say, well, in Missouri, they do this. And I was talking to someone from Michigan, who takes this kind of approach for elections, that is so helpful when you're talking to legislators. It's just really, I feel, an essential 
ingredient of effective legislation. And to be honest, legislation regarding elections in the US, we don't have a unified voice for local election officials. We have several good organizations. We have the EAC, which is a good organization. Elections Center is an excellent organization. IGO is an excellent organization. And there are several others, but there's no coordination among those entities that brings the legislative needs of local election officials together. And that's been seen, you know, been brought to light really clearly with HR1 and S1 and how uh, disparate the involvement of local election officials has been. And we say that, I'm sure you say it, the state level for Missouri, if only legislators would talk to us beforehand, tell us what they want, rather than write a bill, drop it on in our lap, and now all of a sudden we look like we're whining because their bill is horrible. Let's work together. I think election officials are pretty reasonable groups. Uh, we're pretty reasonable. I had a chance to watch your testimony. I think it was in front of the House committee uh, weighing HR1. And it was interesting. You were the only local election official. As a matter of fact, I think you were the only person who had ever administered an election testifying. And I think it's safe to say people can agree or disagree with your testimony, but it was an important vantage point you were bringing. And I wonder if any of the committee members or any staff members reached out to you more after that to kind of suss out some of the things you, you brought up. It's just my observation. That was so glaring and unfortunate, frankly. Yeah, and you're right. And I, I don't think it was this. I testified back in 2018 as well. And I think I remember saying we need to put local back in state and local. Because when folks in D.C. talk about state and local election officials, almost always they're really just talking about state. And, and so many of them don't realize that in virtually every state in the country, it's the local election officials that run the elections. Uh, ranking member Rodney Davis from Illinois did reach out to me afterwards. And again, just a couple of days ago, he's actually exploring coming out to Utah to see how we do our vote by mail, uh, which we're going to welcome him with open arms. We love to showcase, I think, anytime a legislator, especially a congressman or woman, anytime they can walk in our office and see how we do things, it just opens their eyes so much. And those hearings, you've got so many voices. And yet the, the ones that they really need to be listening to, it's okay to listen to the other ones. I mean, that's important to hear the voter activists and, uh, and even folks at the state level. But the local administrators have such a boots on the ground perspective that it's really valuable for them to hear. During your most recent testimony was that local election administrators work, I think, in such a nonpartisan or bipartisan capacity quite often. And I think folks at the state and federal level either don't know that or forget about that or don't realize that. And uh, there was one member of the committee that brought up the point about Utah is a, for lack of a better term, all vote by mail state. I don't know if you would describe it that way or not. And I think they were expecting you to have a different answer. And you said, well, yeah, we are, and it, it works very well, and um, I'm happy to tell anybody about how it works in Utah. And I think that really put in stark relief, in my opinion, that local election administrators, they, we do a job, and we're not out to make partisan points quite often, and we want to explain how our systems work and, and try to make them as work as best we can. Well, it's an excellent point, and I'm sure you've seen this as you've gone to both state 
conferences as well as federal conferences with these associations. We'll go out to dinner and talk for three hours and then go home at the end of the night and, and think, wait, what party do they belong to? And we just don't talk about that because it's not important. Because when it comes to administering the elections, we put on our referee caps and we go to work. And the, the weird thing is most local election officials agree on just about every point of policy. We really do because we know what works and we have the same goals in mind. Of course, you're going to have a bad egg once in a while that thinks that because they're a local election administrator, they can uh, pursue their agenda. And voters always think that we have some kind of agenda to pursue. And, and we do. Our agenda is to let the candidates and the issues get on the front page, not us. We want the, the uh, citizens and the voters uh, to have so much confidence that we're almost invisible. It, the elections just happen. And 2020 was a great example of that not happening, unfortunately, uh, not because of anything that uh, local election officials did. It was uh, louder voices. I'm wondering if you can dig a little bit into the speaking at hearings and speaking with legislators and basically give some behind the scenes, like how does that happen if local election administrators want to get more involved? How might they do that? It's the, the nice thing is it's not hard. The, this industry and this world is thirsty to hear more local election officials. I had a, a staffer from the House Committee of House Administration email me and said, I wish there was a, an organization for local election administrators that I could always know that I could go to them. And I said, boy, do I have news for you. <laughs> uh, and we talked about IGO and the election center. And I just spoke with Don Palmer a couple of days ago. And the EAC is setting up a new advisory board, third advisory board, that will be staffed only by local election officials from all the states. This is a great move. And it's something that they've been thinking about for a while. And I'm so glad to hear that they're moving forward on this. This will be a huge step in helping to elevate the voice of the local election officials I think if someone wants to get involved uh, at the federal level, really the best thing to do is just get involved with an association. The Election Center has a, a good legislative group. Uh, IGO has a good legislative kind of focus. And there are others. And the EAC can be involved in your, uh, with NACO, your uh, state association, your state clerks association. You can get involved in NACO's election subcommittee. We'd love to have folks join that committee. And as you get involved, those opportunities just pop up. I never thought in a million years I'd testify before Congress. And just out of the blue, I get a call from NACO saying, hey, someone, you know, they're going to have a hearing on election cybersecurity and uh, they want to hear from a local election official, their perspective. And, and uh, so NACO really is probably the premier organization as far as federal legislation because it has such a strong presence on the Hill. And so the, really the best thing to do is just get involved wherever you can and, and talk with folks, uh, other election officials from other states. And very quickly, opportunities arise. Uh, there's a lot of discussion out there. A lot of people who are, are ready, they may not know it yet, but they're ready to hear the uh, local election official perspective. Well, Ricky, you've brought up the point that at least right now, there really isn't kind of a unified voice for local election administrators, I should say. I wonder if you have any ideas on how to make that piece better. It's funny because it's probably ever since February when I testified before the House 
administration committee. And the comments from that staff are saying, I just wish there was a local group. It's kept me up at night. And I talked with our election subcommittee at NACO and said, we, we've got to do something. We have to have coordinated legislative agenda that is just local election officials. And it's not because the EAC is bad or the election center isn't doing a good job or I go. It's not because of that. We just need some more coordination is all. But we don't need, I don't think we need another federal association of local election officials. We've got those and, th- and those are great. But what I would like to see is more of a networked coordination, mostly for a legislative stuff, but it could, could be branch into other areas such as training, where the election center and IGO and others uh, and NACO and the EAC, we, we come together, you know, we're never going to fully agree on everything related to elections. But the local perspective is so crucial, and we all agree that getting locals' voices heard in these decisions is is really important. So I'm kind of proposing that we put together this loose network of local election officials that folks from IGO and folks from the Election Center and, and folks that don't belong to any associations can tune into, hook up with, and be kept informed of federal legislation and possibly even um, some training on how to work with state legislators. We could work with the NCSL or Bipartisan Policy Center or the EAC and others to help us understand how best do we communicate with lawmakers, either state or federal. It seems this is really brand new. Uh, we just talk, started talking about this in earnest this week here uh, with, with our NACO group. And then Don Palmer called me within minutes of me getting ready to send out the email saying, you know, proposing this. And I think the EAC's new board of advisors will also be a a perfect piece of this puzzle as far as coordinating the voices and really providing for folks in DC that whenever they think of elections, they think of this group and that we have a structure that goes in that facilitates that. And frankly, and I hope, I don't think I'm biased here, but I think NACO really is the organization that's best suited to facilitate this. They already have a huge presence in DC. They have a national network of state associations. And really the challenge is how do you come up with a list of local election officials? There's, you know, what, 9,000 of us? That's a a tall order. But if you do it state by state, all of a sudden that's a lot easier. And NACO really is the organization that has a state by state framework and institution in place. And we have folks like Don Rehill from the Associated Press, who has a really good list, but it's still only about four, 5,000 people. Uh, the EAC, especially if they set up this new advisory board, they'll have a fantastic list as well. And I suspect and hope that they'll work with NACO. I think that, that the, that's the intention is that NACO really is kind of the glue that helps keep these lists current because list maintenance is going to be huge. But I, I really think that an entity like this is going to provide the necessary contact information, um, networking opportunities in partnership with these other organizations that will really elevate the local election officials' voice at the federal level and hopefully will become the go-to place for federal legislators. It's like a sector coordinating council for local election administrators. There you go. That's right. It's, uh, It's like this somewhat loose network that draws upon several other organizations. All right, world, you heard it first here from Ricky Hatch. That's what's going to happen. Well, and 
if anybody is interested in in working on this, and uh, I mean, it's still in the womb. It's it's still uh, ethereal and and just kind of conceptual right now. And so I would love feedback from anybody to see how we can make it work because we want it. We just don't want another association or organization. We want something that works for everybody and that accomplishes that goal of elevating our voices. We're good at what we do. As far as elections, we're really good at that. We're not necessarily very good at running associations. The finances, the dues, the policies and bylaws, ideas for meetings, planning, things like that. That's not our forte, but it could be, you know, California, Colorado, they have great associations that work really well, and we can benefit from those. And this entity could be another way to not just address legislative needs, but also address association management and best practices. And sure, they're going to be different in each state, depending on the size and geography and things like that. But this is a great way that we could provide training and networking where we can say, hey, in Missouri, what are your bylaws? How do you elect your leadership? How long do they serve? Is there a rotation schedule? And how do you determine your locations for your workshops? How often do you meet? Uh, how often do you have local conferences? And as we share ideas, all of a sudden that makes our, our state associations much more effective. And especially, we don't have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to the logistics of association management. Because that's a total pain, to be honest. It, it really is. And it, it would be nice to be able to have that. Just It just happens in the background. It's like a dial tone. It just happens. Well, wait, dial tones don't exist really much anymore. But it, it just happens. So you, you can focus on the important thing, legislation, training, and things like that. Yes, but are there, are there parties associated with it? I mean, I think that's the main issue for most people is social gathering. <laughs> that's a really good question question. Uh, One idea that we've talked about is having a virtual social hour periodically where there is no agenda. It doesn't cost any money. You just log in and talk. And I've done a couple of those. David Becker had that, I think it was in January. And it was so refreshing. There's about 30 of us on the line and you had state, local and some federal. And it was just so refreshing to just sit and chat. You don't have any expectations. You don't have any, you don't even have to talk about elections, but it's just so nice to sit and and chat with someone who has felt your pain, someone who's gone through the same things that you've gone through. So it's not quite a party, but that would be a a helpful, helpful thing. I think it was Matt Masterson mentioned that, you know, all all the good information at conferences and everything is exchanged at the hotel bar, you know, so maybe this coordinating council needs to meet around a bar with a bartender, and then we'll just solve all the problems. And, and frankly, election officials, they are so dang fun. I love going to conferences and watching these guys when you get together after hours and you're chatting and, and having a good time. I used to think that that was wasted time. And now I think that's more important than showing up to the meetings almost. I'm just fighting against wanting to talk the entire rest of the time about what this organization is going to be like, which is a valuable conversation to have, but probably not very exciting. Whenever it is created, whoever, you know, if it comes out of NACO, if it were pitched to each local election association, because every state does have one of those, that there should be a dedicated member from the association that is the liaison to this group so that you always have a point of contact from the group to go to for every association, that would help 
build momentum anyway, because then every association is at least thinking about it. Yeah, I agree. And the challenge is, how do we do it without hiring a full-time staff? I mean, you almost need, like NASA, NASA, they've got, you know, Amy and Leslie, and they do a fantastic job. And it's so nice to have that one person in place, but you got to pay for them somehow. And I didn't view this necessarily as a being a dues type organization. And if we were, it certainly would have to be small so that the smaller jurisdictions can afford it and see the value of it. But having a kind of a, a point person for that entity would be hugely beneficial, both for keeping the list current and knowing who to go to or go through to get to each local state association. I spoke with Pam Anderson a while back about some work she's been doing, former uh, head of the Colorado Association, and she's been doing some work. I think her and Tammy Patrick and maybe some other folks through Democracy Fund and Election Line to do some capacity building with state associations. I think that's great. And I, what I want to make sure that this isn't some new association that's going to independently exist. It really is a, a network of local election officials supported by organizations and entities that they already belong to. It's not in any way to compete with those. It would be really a, a facilitation. For anybody that's looking at breaking into some of these things. So like you said, it's a small community, which it is. You often see a lot of the same names in different organizations, and it can be somewhat intimidating, I think. Can you give your perspective on how you got involved, chose to get involved? Did you just start cold calling people? Like how can you really break into the field? Cause it can be pretty insular sometimes. Yeah, it's a small group nationwide really. And it can be quite intimidating. I think it's really organic. The reason I'm in my elected position today is because I decided to get involved as a planning commissioner or I decided to go to a small caucus meeting and when they asked me to serve, I said, oh, yeah, the reason I got involved, I honestly think the reason I was able to testify before Congress was because I agreed to serve on the audit committee of IGO. Back then it was NACRAC, but uh, someone said, hey, do you want to be on the audit committee? And I thought, well, I don't really know this organization much, but I know auditing, and it sounds like it's not a lot of work, and it was virtually no work whatsoever. I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And so and by doing that, that got me exposure to the executive board, which that wasn't my intention. It just happened. But it's just serving. It. And these these associations, whether it's Election Center or IGO or any of any of the associations, they are so so much in need. They they want people to be involved. They want people to help. And they always have something that we could do. And it could could be as simple as can you call this person in another state because we don't have any members from this state or serving on an audit committee or it's just something. Can you be a timekeeper at our conference? I mean, just really basic stuff. And by serving and by getting involved, that's what opens up the, uh, the opportunities. But really, you can create the, the sky's the limit, but you just all you don't have to reach the sky at once. All you do is sit on an audit committee or volunteer as a timekeeper or just email the the chair or the someone in the organization say hey I want to help but I don't know how I think that's an excellent point Ricky the one thing I'd like to emphasize from what you said is that 
even if you're not seeking any kind of leadership positions or you hope never testify in front of Congress, just becoming involved and attending conferences or uh, networking with other election officials. I can't remember who, who said, I think one of the first conferences I ever went to, the election official stood up and said, you know, I really employ the case method and I believe in it, the copy and steal everything. And so that is what I've gotten out of just becoming involved and doing this podcast, frankly, is I'm just always thirsty to know what other folks are doing, how they're running their offices, what ideas are they putting in place. And then, frankly, I just try to take them and adapt them to my own uh, circumstance here. So even if you don't ever want to, like I said, be an officer in an organization, if you just want to make your job a little easier and and make the process work better for your, your voters and your constituents, it's the thing to do, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You just share ideas. And sometimes they just, clearly they won't work because of laws or, or culture or geography, but usually you can glean something and then you can copy it and steal it. I mean, I haven't talked to enough people to know why people don't get involved. I think there's probably some elements of shyness and imposter syndrome and things like that. And just knowing that it's a friendly space and people want to talk, people want to share, and people want to hear from you. And I remember going to these conferences and I thought they won't really care what I have to say because I'm just from little old Weber County and little old Utah, you know, little tiny population. And to be able to talk to the giants in the field, like the Neil Kellys and the Michael Wins and Noah Prates and how friendly and open and willing they are to share their information. And then you talk to the EAC commissioners and they're just, they're happy to talk to you. They don't care if you have, you know, 500,000 registered voters or, or 500. They're ready to talk and they're, they're totally there to help and you are an equal with them. I, I just had no idea that that would be the case, but it really is. I've never felt slighted because I'm just from Utah or just from a medium-sized county they really help you feel included. And that's every organization association I've been in. uh, And every time I've reached out to someone, they've always been willing to share. Okay. Thanks everybody for listening to another episode of high turnout wide margins. Thanks to Ricky Hatch from Weber County, Utah, for being on to talk about national associations. And we hope you tune in next time for another episode of high turnout wide margins.